This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave inside Melbourne Law Studio. Protected 24-7, 365 by Crime Prevention. Thank you to our sponsors, of course, on the spot cleaners, style cuts, RR construction. Uh, list goes on and on. We'll cover that more closely for you at the bottom of the hour. And we thank you who donate and uh, keep us going. Just to keep you up to date, we are more and more under scrutiny by tech platforms um, for some reason or another. We've gotten their attention. So be able to, if you will, go over to Rumble and uh, follow us there. We are backing up things as much as we can. Uh, there's uh, something amiss in this country uh, in terms of uh, free speech and all that, as you know. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted. The um, stories today really are not particularly local in uh, flavor, except that there's this constant uh, consternation about what to do about the Gator football world. And we covered that pretty thoroughly yesterday for you. However, it is a, a continuing conversation and it gets on a lot of people's minds here. I mean, they just can't shake it. I mean, this is a big event in this culture here for many, many people. And uh, to think that they've got losers that are nationally recognized as losers and given the complications of today's athletic world, they might not be able to extricate itself themselves from it the way they have in the past. You know, in the past, you went out and recruited and you rah-rah and uh, got people loyal to the university, that sort of thing. And that's passe now. There's nobody loyal to a university who's a young guy. You know, we're sold these bill of goods, by the way, all the time. You know, in order to track the top guys, we've got to have an indoor training facility. So we build an indoor training facility. In order to tra attract the top guys, you've got to have a plush spa for them to be treated like royalty in. So we build them a plush spa to treat them like royalty. And uh, it, it goes on and on and on. And uh, then the bottom falls out, uh, despite the things that have been done, indoor facilities, plush spas, um, you name it, catering to the uh, young lad who is not interested in the university or the education so much anymore as the money, and then uh, takes it from there and really will quit on you in the, in the, in the middle of a season uh, and not have any guilt about it. So it's a different world now, and I wouldn't really want to be in the coach's shoes um, because it's unfamiliar territory for them as well. Uh, they really don't know uh, whether the future is going because there's going to be more money in the bigger schools going to be uh, better heel, if you will, better stocked. And um, we're going to be, of course, all in, in that mix. 
with the pressure on us to excel and be the number one this and number one that. And so um, I posted one little comment, just that a, a, a pundit named Feinbaum has, uh, uh, see the bandwidth is low, so hopefully uh, we'll be able to broadcast to you. Um, the um, Feinbaum has said that the Florida uh, season was a disaster and I posted just his comment and that's raised a lot of uh, reply. And that just shows you how this kind of dominates people's minds right now. Well, anyway, that's that's about the local world. I mean, um, we're breaking down for uh, vacations and uh, uh, Christmas, and we're going to get pounded with some cold weather. I'll get into that at the halftime. Uh, meanwhile, um, I want to cover uh, some events that are going on. Um, it's really kind of a slow news day, if you will, if you will. Uh, because of uh, people uh, taking breaks and going hither and yonder and the towns sort of in, in, in academic towns like this one, they sort of get quiet. But um, there is a title of the show today of Digging Up the Dead. I wanted to kind of let that be the theme for today's show, Digging Up the Dead. And uh, the, the first um, evidence of, of digging up the dead, of course, is... Um, it uh, has to do with this American leftist ideology. Um, it's something we've been watching and talking about. And um, I don't know that the right has an ideology that is identifiable uh, um, as, as the left is. The left has got a name, progressive left, and uh, it has um, uh, things it wants to reconstruct and redo and rewrite and and change language and change monuments and change history. And uh, it has a real kind of uh, religious fervor to it. And uh, perhaps uh, no more evident than uh, this as a, as a phenomenon going on is uh, what we see in a couple of instances that have been written about uh, rather cleverly. Uh, and I wanna share them with you because I thought some good points were made here. Uh, Charles Hurt, he's the opinion editor for the Washington Times, and he has observed that uh, um, Ben Carson, do you remember Ben Carson? He's a black gentleman. He was a pediatric neurosurgeon. He had a lifelong devotion to working on children. He specialized in catastrophic brain injuries, abnormalities, uh, he led the first team of doctors to separate twins uh, joined at the back of the brain. Well, he uh, accomplished all this, as uh, the opinion writer states, uh, uh, despite growing up in Detroit's public schools, which uh, have some of the most dangerous and corrupt and dysfunctional school systems in the civilized world. All these big cities have found themselves at peril. You want to see the failure of affordable housing. You want to feel, see the failure of government intervention. Uh, all you have to do is take a look at uh, these big cities and you'll see them. So Ben Carson, let's remember what he is. He's a pediatric neurosurgeon. He uh, first rate reputation. I grew up in the Detroit public schools. Um, 
for example, the Detroit Public Schools uh, last year ranked last in reading and math. Um, among the eighth graders, 93% failed reading and 96% failed math. So how in the world, uh, Mr. Hurd asked, does a, 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 a person get out of a school system like that and become one of the world's leading pediatric neurosurgeons? Um, so nevertheless, this is the fate that uh, ben Carson has suffered now. Um, they are erasing Dr. Ben Carson's name from one of its high schools. Are you ready? Because he served in the Trump administration. Uh, that's the opinion anyway of our Washington Examiner, uh, Mr. Hurt, who's the editor, one of the editors of the Washington Examiner. Uh, it's it's uh, Washington Times, I'm sorry, Washington Times. Um, here, think about it. You've got, now we're doing this, we're changing names of schools all over the place, and that's kind of where I'm going to go with this. I understand at long last, Robert E. Lee and Jacksonville has been changed. Um, we know all about this, and I'm going to cover this a little bit, because it sets the mood for the frustration uh, of many, many people who feel that uh, you can't reason with the progressive left ideology or any members of it. So let's go back and recap what we're saying here. A 93% failure among eighth graders of reading, 96% failure of math, and yet we are removing in Detroit school system Dr. Ben Carson's name from one of its high schools because he served with Trump. Now, one school board member complained that having a school name for the famous pediatric neurosurgeon was, quote, synonymous with having Trump's name on our school only in a black face, end quote. Now, I assume that was a probably, and I haven't been able to research this before going on the show, was probably maybe a black school board member and objecting to the fact that how dare someone stray from the ideology uh, so much so that he becomes identified with what has been in many circles uh, a person who has been become has become symbolic of quote unquote white supremacy so um, that leads to this discussion on this school board so this is the point of Mr. Hurt, is that Richmond, Virginia has a similar record of academic failure. Uh, and in this case, criminal failure to, of course, Detroit does as well. Uh, last year, Richmond, Virginia had a 15-year record high for murders, uh, so writes Mr. Hertz. Uh, the city's school system at the same time had the lowest graduation rate in the state. 65% of Richmond's public school students fail reading and 90% fail math. So nevertheless, rather than focus on these core 
academic values is the point of Mr. Hurt's opinion piece. What are the Richmond city leaders focused on? Well, you know that Richmond was absolutely central to the Southern Confederacy. And now those statues of the Southern Confederacy erected after the Civil War, honoring, and by the way, more human being, more people, American citizens were lost in that war than any of our other wars. Uh, the Civil War honoring these warriors who died protecting Richmond are being removed. And rather than teach anything from it, rather than go back and really investigate some of the very significant complexities of this event, they, in logical fallacies, oversimplify it and simply remove it. But then the winner always gets to write uh, history. The winner really gets to write the books. And we're going to cover that today. So what they're doing here is digging up the dead because uh, there is a Civil War hero buried under the monument. They move. They're digging up the dead and moving them out, if, if you will. And if you want to borrow this as an analogy, the dead for the progressive left ideology would be the Constitution, the Supreme Court, the Electoral College, uh, the borders, a lot of things that you're seeing being debated right now. So uh, this was a, a, a parade of monuments to the nation's history, albeit a Southern uh, set of monuments. And today it is a flat passageway and it has become kind of an area of misery and crime. Um, uh, is uh, uh, nevertheless, what the city fathers or mothers or all the above are focusing on in, as Mr. Hertz points out, both Richmond and what? Detroit. You say, what is the connection? Well, you see, tearing down the monuments to the South, which supposedly is singularly all about uh, slavery, which it isn't. It has a lot of resistance to industrial uh, society. It's an agrarian society. It has a different relationship with nature than the North, none of which is going to be. If, if the South were really examined objectively by the environmentalists today, they would see that the South were, they were real and real environmentalists. Uh, they were against uh, the fossil fuel horsepower of the horse. Uh, they took a totally different view of mass production and assembly lines. They didn't like that at all. And if they had been listened to, uh, then as they want to be listened, that they want or looking for someone to listen to today, it would have been quite different. But uh, this is nevertheless uh, an attack on this case, General A.P. Hill, who was buried under the monument. It was the last monument that was irritating the heck out of these people in this city with its high crime rate. And for some strange reason, Dr. Ben Carson is an irritant to the city of Detroit school board. Now, you see these school boards, the focus of wars, really, all over the country. And you see what's happened uh, here in the state of Florida in that there's been a guide uh, that has been uh, 
promoted that is going to try to go back to the reading and the writing and those things and, and, and the arithmetic and away from teaching sex to preschool kids. Um, that sort of thing is one of the war zones, if you will, uh, as a school board in the state of Florida. So here we are. Uh, we are uh, uh, turning the page on the past, but replacing it with nothing in the future and never examining the complex, complicated values of the past. Meanwhile, Dr. Ben Carson is, I, I suppose, you know, of all the guys that you feel are being looked at who belonged to the Trump world, probably the last one you, I might've thought would be uh, complicit in any way would have been Ben Carson. Um, I believe he was in charge of housing. And my golly, why not? I mean, that's a, there's a guy who came out of a world of housing need. You know, it, it, we've been talking about how this ideology is prevalent more and more because of the eradication of anything that could be accepted as compatible or coexist with it in language. And uh, Stanford has a guide to acceptable words that has come out uh, and been talked about in uh, some of the uh, publications. Um, this is a, a Dow Jones uh, uh, Wall Street opinion. Uh, and this is, pardon me there, kind of a, a continuation of what I've been pointing out about language. Uh, the latest uh, university, Stanford University administrators, uh, and they published an index of forbidden words that have to be taken down from the school's websites and, and uh, replaced with uh, language and even computer codes that will help re-educate uh, people in the modern culture. Well, the modern culture is, as we know, a battleground right now in the country between the so-called conservatives, so-called progressive liberals, and it is in many, many places. We just cited it being in the school systems. It's, of course, in uh, along the borders, all these sort of things. But in Stanford, Stanford, as we joke, uh, you cannot call yourself an American according to uh, this culture guide. You have to call yourself a U.S. citizen. And if you don't do that, Stanford has reasoned, and when asked why they did this, uh, they wanted to hit, uh, fend off any what they call bias hunters, people out there turning over rocks, if you will, looking for bias. And in so doing, of course, their bias for bias is, is ironic. So also, um, you can't say immigrant. That's a noun, immigrant. You have to say, uh, uh, you cannot say a person who has, uh, you, have to, you have to replace it with person who has immigrated. In other words, you can't say immigrant. You have to say person who has immigrated. Now, one of the things it doesn't have, the noun, uh, you know, we need an adjective. Uh, 
illegally immigrated or legally immigrated. That, that word's not there. So this is uh, where we are with language. And they have algorithms which watch language. We are convinced that tech platforms watch us down to the very words we use. So I have come up with the voter beep because we know that the F word, and we're not talking about the F bomb, will trigger some sort of response because there's an attempt to control the narrative. And in this case, rewrite history or alter the cultural values. At Stanford, you can't master your subject. You know, this word master, it's amazing. It's become taboo. Well, why is it taboo? You know, people have a master's in arts. Uh, I have a master's degree. Well, why? You can't call it master because that connotes slavery. Don't you see the bias in the word? You understand there are two meanings to words, the denotation and the connotation. The denotation is the definition meaning of the word. And if you go look at the dictionary, it'll take you all the way back to the archaic, the oldest use of the word. Because the definition change sometimes changes in spelling, but essentially clings to its basic meaning consistently. But connotation is the value a culture places on a word. And this changes moment by moment. And this change has been accelerated by the proliferation of words, which are instantaneously available now to all corners of society in the form of the Internet. So now we have got to neuter the language, if you will, or make it historically acceptable. So we know that historically and, and, and Stanford puts this in their guide. Masters enslaved people. Another thing you can't say, incredibly so, I think, is you don't dare design what once was called in academic studies a blind study. Now, when you say a blind study, you are unintentionally, unintentionally perpetuating that disability and you're connoting, although I put the word connoting in there, that the person who is blind is somehow abnormal or negative. Ah, so you see, so we can't say master and we can't say blind. The blind studies are good and useful, of course. You don't know necessarily what the other study is doing, so you're not trying to kind of look over the shoulder of the person at the desk in front of you when you create your own. And you can't even uh, 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 ever today, uh, you must use, according to Stanford, mask study. Now, so far, mask is not out of favor because, in fact, ironically, it's in favor, perhaps because of the accent on the use of masks in COVID. So in the Stanford guide, we have substituted of the blind study for a mask study. Uh, there's a, 
no mention of a word like gangbusters, because what this means is the cops are against gangs. And of course, gangs, according to the bias police, has racial undertones. If you're in a gang, it follows that you're black. And if it follows that you're black in a gang, you are discriminated against as being lawless. So we don't use gang busters anymore. Um, this is really kind of getting, you, you might say, ridiculous. However, uh, these people are trying to normalize somehow um, um, something that uh, they find incompatible with their ideology. Um, the elimination of harmful language initiative is a multi-phase project at Stanford and is primarily taking place with the IT leaders, uh, information technology. The information technology people are the ones I'm beginning to believe increasingly control what we think. Since so many of us use these tech platforms from which I'm now communicating with you, we are at the mercy, are we not, at the techies and at all levels, at all levels. Now, the techies are not necessarily long lived. They've only recently arrived on the planet. And when they arrived, they arrived with Internet technology fully intact. They don't know the world without the Internet. They have, could not possibly imagine it. it. It's something beyond their recognition or understanding. It's just a given that it's been this way. It's kind of like riding with electric lights or arriving with the automobile or any of the other things that happen as human beings crapes through mortality. So here we have uh, the list took information technology about 18 months of collaboration with quote unquote stakeholder groups. Now, this is going to therefore be composed of administrators and who knows what else stakeholder groups might involve. But um, there are 16,937 Stanford students, they say, were involved. Um, 2,288 faculty, and about 15,700 administrative staff. Um, well, well, well. Somehow, some way, combine this with name image likeness and, and uh, 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 a list of bad words that are just words until they're called bad, uh, a rewriting of the past, a cleansing of the culture, of anything that might even suggest uh, any remnants of the South and uh, anybody who might even question it. You use the term uh, white supremacist and uh, there you have it. You have uh, uh, the, the, uh, the impetus for censorship, really, for changing things 
and their minds who do the censoring for the better, to protect us against harmful hate language. So words like master is really a hateful word to the biased police. Go looking for something that might call up a bad connotation. Uh, we have to eliminate that, make that inaccessible to your ears. And that gives us the license if we're a private company and what information network is not private, uh, we don't have smoke signals. Uh, if you talk over the phone once upon a time, it was owned by Ma Bell. If you talk on any of the tech platforms, they are private companies. And um, they have people working for them who have come from the information technology world, who are being raised on this interpretation of the culture and its language. And it is really kind of unchecked right now, in my humble opinion. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files in just a moment with the weather. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil.
Welcome back to Ward Scott Files here in the Manly Wardall Command Center. Uh, right now we're high and dry, but um, I think we had a little rain pass through here. This is the weather report brought to you by Lewis Oil, our great sponsor, Lewis Oil, Wendell Lewis. Well, um, I've been looking at the radar. I don't know if we're going to get the big, heavy bomb of the weather that some of the uh, outlets are suggesting. Drenching weather on the way for the Gulf Coast states. Probably yes, for sure. I'm looking at the radar in uh, throughout north of us uh, in Georgia, Alabama, and that area. But I believe the rain has passed through our area for the time being. But we certainly are knowing that there's going to be a major cold come in here, Arctic air that is going to dip pretty deeply here and plummet our temperatures towards Christmas Day and weekend um, and develop a major snowstorm across the northern states. Um, we, uh, we understand that um, South, uh, Northern Carol California has just had a 6.4 magnitude earthquake. They um, have always been kind of, you know, thinking California might just break off and float out to Hawaii. Wouldn't that be something? But uh, Right now, prepare yourself for the cold. Going to be here in a few days. I think the rain in our area has passed. It's headed on down perhaps to South Florida for a while, and it's more thickly accumulating in the northern in the states just to the north of us. We're running 52 degrees right now. Uh, we will get up today. Let's see what we'll make it to. Um, we'll make it to about 65 degrees, okay? So um, that's our weather report. And uh, brought to you by Lewis All. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, Ken Hillier says 11 degrees in Georgia Friday morning. I think in the mountains going to be colder than that, Ken. Um, anyway, this is the big snap. I don't know what happened to climate. Well, it's climate change. It's no longer global warming. Well, you know, I have, would be remiss without talking about um, the January 6th findings. So I wanted to go back and review a little bit with the class today, have a little review here. Um, the history of this, how we got here, where we are. And I thought it was interesting, first of all, to take a look at um, an analysis done by Cheryl Atkinson. Uh, she's an, uh, an investigative journalist for the New York Times. And she wrote this uh, back uh, in uh, 2019. And, uh, and I want to just go through this scenario with you to, to, to refresh ourselves on how long this scenario has been going on. Get Trump, get Trump, get Trump. So in 2019, she wrote, it's been three full years since President Trump was elected. And she writes that who could have predicted he would ever win? You recall that he was a laughing stock of the news media, particularly CNN and that crowd. Oh, they would giggle and snickler and you know, he'll never win and da 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 da. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, um, um, you know, it looks as if he might. And then they start saying, well, uh, you know, surely Russia uh, must have been conspiring to get him involved. And that would be um, really something we need to investigate. So um, all of a sudden, there were. Uh, pretty good reasons 
since it was such an unexpected. And of course, Hillary has been discovered to have really, if you look back on it, broken more security protocols than anybody by putting stuff on a private computer that was classified. Nothing ever done about that that I'm aware of. Nothing ever investigated that I'm aware of. But meanwhile, a raid of Mar-a-Lago later on. But uh, so there have been, and even uh, our writer here from the Times uh, wrote then uh, that there had been advising plots uh, even against him before he was inaugurated. Um, he, they, they, his, his Trump supporters were saying, even before Trump was inaugurated, that there are unlawful actions involving wiretapping and attempts to frame Trump and his associates even then. Um, so, you know, she starts off with a chronology, which I thought would be interesting to refresh ourselves with. August 15, 2016, Peter Strick struck struck and Lisa Page met with Andrew McCabe and uh, they text among themselves that they can't take the risk of Trump getting elected without having, quote unquote, an insurance policy in place. Now, this is 2022, as we know. So six years back, okay, six years back. And what is obvious right now, everybody who's studying this knows that January 6th committee, and I've made a note, um, they are trying to damage Trump politically and to pressure public prosecution of him. Because they, they, this is a continuation. There's no question about it. It's easy to see of this behavior by, quote unquote, people in power, clear back to August 15, 2016. On October 2016, uh, uh, Benjamin Witz, who was a founder of a left-wing liberal blog called Lawfare, uh, uh, and uh, says, uh, what if Trump wins? We need an insurance policy against the unthinkable. And the uh, uh, policy would, re would rely on a coalition of democratic forces to challenge and obstruct Trump. Now, this is a New York Times writer writing this. Let's make sure we understand that this is not a conservative paper. This is Cheryl Atkinson, an investigative journalist for the New York Times. Now, so they're aware of this. They know this. Now, Witz was a good friend of Comey, and he was very much aware of the Mueller appointment. So in October 2016, the FBI began a year-long secret wiretap on the Trump campaign advisor, Carter Page, which would have allowed Intel officials access, would it not, uh, to information and conversations involving Trump associates and possibly Trump himself. Now, I've already taken the position that everything we do in our life is no longer private. Certainly the show isn't, it's everywhere, but your phone calls, your, uh, uh, your phone even knows your habits. I mean, I, I, I get in my vehicle and 
It tells me where it thinks I'm going and how long it'll take to get there. Um, so this IT world. Um, so meanwhile, uh, uh, Page himself was never charged with any offense. And the FBI never apologized for the unwarranted privacy intrusions. And the, the, the lawless, lawfulness of that wiretap has always been questioned. Okay? Now, you're hearing pencil neck ship say right now, no man's above the law. You know, what a cliche. What a, what, what gibberish. Gibberish is an interesting word. G-I-B-B-E-R-I-S-H. Uh, gibberish was actually what Gibbons talked. And, uh, you know, so gibberish is a kind of interesting. This is kind of gibberish, is it not? Although I know the Stanford Guide to Language would not allow that. Um, January 3rd, 2017, Schumer publicly warns Trump that if he takes on the intelligence community, it has six ways from Sunday. This is a quote from Schumer. Six ways from Sunday to get back at you. Now, I'm trying to put myself in the place of this kind of constant threat. All I wanted to do was run for public office. Why did they start? Why did they start keeping an eye on me when all I wanted to do was run for public office? Well, they must have thought I was a threat. Why does YouTube... And all these tech platforms keep an eye on me. Why, why are they watching me? I'm not anything but teaching a class. You have your own minds to make up. Hey, liberals can watch the show too. Liberals can come on the show. Liberals can express, ex express your opinion. I had, I had a guy the other day, I'm going to keep his name quiet, who I saw on the Facebook page and just extended a a friendship offer to him. I've known him forever. He's a liberal. He accepts the friendship with, with reservation. I mean, he says, geez, I don't know if we'll agree on anything. Then, you know, do, should I be your friend? We won't agree. You know, what is wrong with the guy? You know, so what? This is the way these people think. Now, on July, January 11th, 2017, a political investigation concluded that Ukrainian government officials tried to help Hillary Clinton and undermine Trump in the 2016 election. Huh? January 30th, 2017. Days after Trump takes office, attorney Mark Zaig tweets that a coup has started and impeachment will follow ultimately. Here, the, you know... The, let me, let me underscore that again. January 30th, 2017, just a few days after president, and this is the New York Times reporter writing this, okay? A few days after Trump takes office, attorney Mark Zay tweets, we know about Twitter now, that a coup has started, a coup by the left. Impeachment will follow ultimately. A coup by the left. A few months later, still in 2017, this is all according to the article by this Times writer. 
Zay tweets, I predict CNN will play a key role in Donald Trump not finishing out his full term as president. And we will get rid of him. And this country is strong enough to survive even him and his supporters. And this guy, Zay, tweets also that as one falls, two more will take their place and the coup would occur in many steps. Now, here they're using a sedition act against Trump. But they have been blatantly talking about a coup against Trump. Now, the information technology snoopers won't like any of this discussion. But I'm sourcing it for them. So they'll know I'm just sharing with you what was on the mind of the New York Times investigative reporter in 2017. This guy, Zaid, went on to represent the alleged whistleblower and the Trump impeachment officer, so writes the writer, who when coup was brought up, he says, well, he just sees as a lawful attempt by attorneys to remove an unlawful president from office. Here they're saying, are they not today, that Trump is complaining that the election was unlawful when they have been complaining since 2017 that his election was unlawful. Are you, are you with me? Are you paying attention to this? And I'm not sure where my chat is. Are we there? No. Production? Production? Okay, I've just lost the chat line here. So uh, let me see if I can get it back, see what it is. Okay, I got it back. Thank you. Um, sorry, ma'am. You know, just a little bit observant of what's going on now, a little bit more perhaps than before, because I'm in ground here uh, that the left doesn't like to hear discussed. So I'm just bear with me, audience. Um, May 17th, 2017. Do you know what happened then, students? Robert Mueller begins investigating Trump. You remember that? August 2017, Trump critic and former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, is hired as an analyst at CNN, and he attacks Trump regularly, frequently, with incorrect information. So writes the New York Times writer. January 23rd, 2018, Vice, former Vice President Joe Biden publicly brags that he got Ukraine to fire its top prosecutor by threatening to withhold U.S. aid. The prosecutor was investigating Burisma, an energy company where Biden's son had served on the board 
since 2014 when Biden was vice president. The New York Times writer puts that in this narrative, in this timeline. February 1st, 2018, Trump critic and former CIA director John Brennan, he hated, loathed Trump from the beginning, is hired as an analyst for NBC and MSNBC, and he proceeds to regularly, regularly attack Trump at times with incorrect information. No tech platform takes it down. Okay? No tech platform takes it down. March 22nd, 2019, the special counsel's probe ends without concluding that Trump or his associates conspired with Russia. Despite what Brennan and Clapper had been claiming on public shows repeatedly, 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 the Democrats try impeachment but can't push it quite over the line. In April 2019, Ukraine elects a new president and Hunter Biden steps down from the Ukrainian energy company. July 25th, 2019, Trump calls the newly elected president of Ukraine and asks for corrupt cooperation in a probe involving long-standing corruption in Ukraine, along with alleged ties to U.S. Democrats and the 2016 campaign. Don't you think that shook up Biden? Would you not think so? In August 12, 2019, someone alleging to alleging to be a whistleblower files a complaint about the phone call with the intelligence community's inspector general. The anonymous, anonymous person alleges that Trump sought political dirt to use against Biden in 2020 as part of a quid pro quo. Quids pro quo aren't inherently illegal or improper and are in fact a key component of most foreign aid, so writes the investigative reporter. However, the whistleblower claims Trump is improperly, improperly withholding military aid from Ukraine for his own political purposes. When we just had Biden publicly brag about it. Now, I don't know how much of this hypocrisy a, a public can take. I mean, it really is. Is it not kind of amazing how much hypocrisy a sit back a public can sit back and take and nothing be done? On September 9th, 2019, the inspector general notifies the House Intelligence Committee about the complaint. The House Intelligence Committee is none other than guess who, Pencilneck, 
Adam Schiff, who intentionally denies doing so, but it turns out that he and his staff had already met with or conspired with, so writes the New York Times reporter, depending on your view, the alleged whistleblower. This guy Schiff really, you need to keep your eye on this character. This guy is just a little bit strange. Now, on September 24, 2019, good old Nancy Pelosi announces an impeachment inquiry based upon the alleged anonymous whistleblower's claims. You got it all down, students? You won't hear this discussion anywhere else in America. And these tech guys are watching it, so keep it in your head. On that same date, Trump releases a transcript of his call with Ukraine's president. In that transcript, there is no mention of a quid pro quo, no mention of political dirt, no mention of withholding aid or campaign 2020. So what does Shift and his crowd say? Oh, well, it was implicit. It was coded. It's really what they were talking about. But there's no evidence that Ukraine provided Trump with any dirt on Biden. Ever. Ukraine's got its hands full with Russia. I, I don't know how... I don't know how people can sit back and say in oversimplified terms, the left is clean and the right is dirty. You know, I, I just, when you go through these, and this is, I say, this is not coming from a conservative writer of a conservative newspaper media. The New York Times is infamously liberal. On September 25th, 2019, the president of Ukraine says he did not feel pushed by President Trump to investigate Biden. And then, lo and behold, on October 31st, 2019, guess what? The House approves impeachment process rules. And the vote is a largely along party lines. Two Democrats side with the Republicans. The writer Cheryl Atkinson points out. There are key names in this timeline she posted. In 2019. John Brennan, James Comey. And what you have, she says here, is an attempt to treat his election as illegal even before he was sworn in. 
This is what is you can you can you can you can consider this. This is what is frustrating, frustrating the heck, to use a nice term, out of Schiff and Pelosi and that whole crowd. You know, I'm going to summarize here in a few minutes I got left. The House January 6th committee, this is a review by the journal, just came out today. The House January 6th committee decided best way to cap its 18 months of work would be with a political gesture, yet another political gesture. It's going to refer him to the Department of Justice for criminal prosecution. They've been trying this, and we just pointed out, since before he was elected. Well, I'll probably get into this later. I won't have time to get into it today. I mean, that's just, that's some of the research that yours truly has done here, trying to understand this. And I'm not coming out with very good conclusions about it. Let's put it this way. I'm not coming out with a very good taste in my mouth about it. It doesn't seem to be uh, an honorable group of people. But they're claiming they're more honorable than the group they're They've been chasing since 2016, six years. And then you have to ask yourself, what was their obsession? Why were they so, so frightened by him? What was it that he was, why, why were they so intimidated by him? They're still intimidated by him. I don't have the answer to that. I'm going to leave that to you all. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.